Good morning, everyone. And Happy New Year. Every day going forward of this year, whether you realize it or not, we need rescue. We need the Lord to take care of us and to rescue his people. And thank God that's exactly what he does. The focus of our service today is God rescues his children. You'll see that for yourselves through reading and devotion coming up. Our order of service is found on screen or in your folder. At this time, let's begin with hymn 342. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by
God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given his only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for all of our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority alone, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Almighty God, the martyred innocence of Bethlehem showed forth your praise, not by speaking, but by dying. Put to death in us all that is in conflict with your will, that our lives may bear witness to the faith we profess with our lips through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. First lesson from Isaiah 63, God promised rescue. I will tell of the kindness, kindnesses of the Lord, the deeds for which he is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel. According to his compassion and many kindnesses, he said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. And so he became their savior. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. The word of the Lord. Continue with our song.
second lesson from Galatians 4. God promised rescue and at just the right time did it. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. This is the word of the Lord. Alleluia, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Alleluia. Please stand. The Gospel according to Matthew chapter 2. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the Gospel of the Lord. We join in the Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. be seated for the hymn.
In the name of Jesus, who is the same yesterday and today and forever. Fellow believers, as you're used to, as you live your life, you are going to go through ups and downs. Every day in life, you may have incredible highs, you may go through some terrible lows. There are the days where everything seems to click. There are the days where a few things go sideways. And there are days where things just go south. Amidst all of the turmoil and whirlwind of life, the ups and the downs and everything, today's an incredible lesson. And you, you kind of see all of these things happen in this section from Matthew chapter 2. But what God is doing by holding this lesson before you is revealing to you an incredible truth. God will always honor his word and fulfill it. God will rescue his children. And as you see that today, and as you see that happen for the rest of your life, that he honors his word and fulfills it, may it always strengthen your faith and increase your trust in God and his word. And where you see that happen, May it always lead you in life to follow his word no matter what's going on in your life. Joseph did. An angel appears to him in a dream while he and the family are in Bethlehem, it looks like. And Joseph follows it. Here's what it says again. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. So that last part right there is a prophecy from Hosea chapter 11. And I want you to hear that passage in its context. This is what Hosea wrote. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. So a little background on that. Sometimes Abraham went down to Egypt. Sometimes, you know, Jacob went down to Egypt. I think Isaac went down once. Um, Joseph obviously went down. Usually when people went down to Egypt, it was because there was a terrible event going on. There was a famine. They needed food. They, they went down there to escape something. When Joseph went down to Egypt, it was because he was betrayed by his brothers. They shipped him off into slavery, and there he was, and there he grew up. So now here we are years later. We have Herod, we have Jesus. Herod is a descendant from Esau. Jesus is a descendant of Jacob. Jacob and Esau were supposed to be brothers. Well, they had a hard time acting like it a lot of times, didn't they? And so here we are years later, and we have their descendants who really are supposed to be acting like brothers towards each other. And we have almost the same scenario played out all over again. Herod, like Joseph's brothers, Herod is trying to kill Jesus. And so there's a terrible event, and Jesus and the family need to escape to Egypt, just like they did in the past from a terrible event, where Jesus needs to stay there for a time. And that's where the Hosea passage comes in. Hosea as he's talking, says, you know what, children of Israel, descendants of the 12 sons of Jacob, I'm going to rescue you. 
Out of Egypt, I'm going to call you, and I'm going to bring you back to the promised land. But what now God is saying through, through Matthew chapter 2 is, that's not exactly who I had in mind. That's partial fulfillment. But actually, through that Hosea chapter 11 verse, I was looking at my son. And so he's looking ahead in Jesus' day and saying, Jesus, I know you're going to have to escape. You're going to head over to Egypt, and I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to deliver you from this oppression, from Herod, even from the land of Egypt, and I'm going to bring you back to your people where you're supposed to be. God rescues his children. Doesn't that just kind of lift your heart a little bit to say and see God's timing is right? Exactly what Galatians 4 said. When the time had fully come, God sent his son. God knew what he was doing. Even if people are after Jesus and trying to kill him, God, God has all of this stuff taken care of. In fact, doesn't it make you almost like Mary ponder these things that you just can't catch God off guard? He foresaw these things hundreds of years. Isaiah probably wrote this around 750 B.C. Hundreds of years before this ever came true, God foresaw these things. He wasn't caught off guard. I bet Joe. Uh, I bet Joseph was in the middle of the night when that dream came. You and I often are in life because we can't anticipate what tomorrow or 2023 is going to bring. And yet, what did Joseph do? When the message from the Lord came his way, he followed the word. And that's what God sets before us too. No matter what comes or goes, the up and the down, follow the word. God knows what he's doing. Herod, however, was very upset. <clears throat> the, the Bible translation you and I have here says Herod was outwitted. The Greek actually makes it a little more pointed. It, it says that Herod thought he was a f made a fool by the wise men. So he's really upset. And if you know anything about Herod the Great, he is thin-skinned and he's power-hungry. And so everybody's going to be on pins and needles and he's going to lash out. And that's exactly what he did. So Herod goes after, with his military, sends soldiers down to Bethlehem where they take the lives of 15 to 20 baby boys aged 2 and younger. That's government-sanctioned murder. That was bloody murder. And it is today, too. Even if states approve abortion where the life of the mother is not in jeopardy. That's government-sanctioned murder today, too. The only difference between Herod's day and our day is Herod acted the way he did, and I'm not excusing it. Herod acted because of Christ. He was really doing this to go after Jesus. That's not necessarily the scenario today. It's just that people are selfish and self-centered today to make their choices and do what they want today. Herod was trying to end the life of Jesus. It's a brutal section, but you know what? Even the Old Testament anticipated this. Jeremiah chapter 31 talks about Rachel and a city called Ramah. Eight miles north of Jerusalem is a city called Ramah. It's a small city. But that's the staging ground in 600 B.C. when people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were hauled off from Judah, the land of Judah, 
and sent over into captivity in Babylon. Rachel just loved children. She wanted to have more than, than the two she had, Benjamin and Joseph. And what Jeremiah describes is Rachel just weeping and weeping inconsolably because these people sent off into captivity in 600 BC and even afterwards, they weren't coming back. She's losing children that she loves and they're going to be lost. And now the Bible says, wait a minute, yes, that was fulfilled partially again in 600 BC when people went off into captivity, but even more, it's talking about the babies of Bethlehem, the 15 to 20 boys that were killed by the hand of Herod. There's Rachel again, weeping inconsolably because these children have been taken from the earth and they're not coming back. Nothing is going to stop Rachel from her tears. Boy, this is a tough section of scripture, isn't it? It's really hard to see. Actually, maybe it's more than that. I thought the theme of today's service was God rescues his children. I mean, God rescued Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. God rescued the wise men, and he sent them back by another route. But he didn't rescue these 15 to 20 boys. God didn't save them. Well, why not? I don't know. God hasn't revealed that to me, why these boys needed to die. God doesn't print anything about his will, and so we call it his hidden will. God doesn't talk about any of his motivation or reason why he permitted this to happen. But it's the one thing I do know is it's not God's sin. It's not God's fault. It's Herod's sin. Herod did this. This is set before his feet. He's the murderer. He's the thin-skinned one that carried this action out. This is not God's fault. It's like blaming the aborted child for, the, for the, the sin of the parents to cause that to happen. It's not the child's fault. It's not God's fault in this. The one thing that I do know belongs to God in all of this is his word still stands true. In all of these things, God loves to rescue his people. What does that mean? The greatest rescue God can give his people is eternal life in heaven. God doesn't promise you're going to live your life to a certain age. Never promises anybody that. God never promises in your life you're going to have a certain standard of health. He never promises anybody that. God never promises you're always going to get protection from your earthly enemies and you're going to live however long a life again. He never promises that. What God promises you in the scriptures is to rescue you spiritually. That is his one guarantee. And that's the whole point why Jesus is here. He has sent Jesus here to fulfill that incredible promise to you, which means... He's promised to send Jesus here to take care of what's most disgusting. Herod's sin? He, he just murdered 15 to 20 people. Little people. He's promised to send Jesus here to take care of your ugly sin and mine so that through faith in Jesus, 
God, by the greatest gift of grace, would give to us for free the adoption of sons. That he would look at us as if he's looking right at Jesus himself. That you would have the life of Christ applied to your account. The one life that lived in this world that honored every single promise of God. That lived according to the will of God. God sees you through faith in Jesus as if you're his child. And a ripe, ready candidate for eternal life. That's God's promise of rescue. That's what he promises through the prophets. And that's what he gives to you for free through faith in Jesus Christ. After a number of months go by, <clears throat> four, six months, maybe a year, the Bible doesn't tell us. Joseph receives another dream. God speaks to him through the angel, and Joseph heeds that dream and picks the family up and heads them back towards Israel. Except now this time, God doesn't tell him expressly where to go. And so Joseph, doing his research, realizes Herod's son Archelaus is on the throne in Judea. Well, Archelaus is even worse than Herod the Great. And so Joseph, being a very wise, shrewd father, understands, yeah, I, I probably thought Jesus should grow up around Jerusalem, but we're taking him up to Nazareth. And he goes where Mary's relatives were, and they head north around in the Galilee area, and they raise him there. And so we have another prophecy. It says, So what was fulfilled, what was sent through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. This one stumps a lot of people. There is no single passage in all of the Old Testament that ever says the Messiah would be called a Nazarene. And yet that's what Matthew says. It, yes and no. Matthew never says, so what was fulfilled through the prophet. He said, so what was said through the prophets. He's saying, basically, look at all the gamut of prophets of the Old Testament. All of them together in a general way are saying the same thing. That the Messiah who's going to come, he's going to have a hard time with his life. He's going to be an object of scorn. It's going to be really difficult for him every single day of his ministry throughout his life. And isn't that exactly the case? Remember what happened when Jesus was calling his first disciples? One of them said, Nazareth? What good thing comes from Nazareth? It was a ball and chain around Jesus' ankle. This was a very difficult thing for him to be from Nazareth. It hurt his ministry. When he cast out demons, guess what the demon said? Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on us. Uh, they weren't complimenting him. It's like they were taking a little dig. Remember what Pilate put above the cross? Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. That little dig, even as he was exiting this world. Even the very people of Nazareth, once proud of this hometown son, Jesus, even they turned against him and tried to throw him off a cliff. He got nothing good from growing up in Nazareth. Everything, if you will, worked against him from being in Nazareth, which means even the Old Testament prophets got it right then. Everything the Bible has ever put forward about Jesus, they nailed it. God's word has never been wrong. God's word has never been wrong. 
which is why we're going to stick with it and keep presenting it to you throughout 2023 and beyond. We're going to continue to present the Word of God to you. On your good days and high days, on your middle-of-the-road kind of days, on the days you're really struggling. We're going to present the Word of God to you, even those sections that mm, we would have missed, but we see fulfilled in the New Testament. We're going to present the Word of God to you with passages that are really hard to look at and hard to see, like babies in Bethlehem being put to death, because you're going to go through times in your life that are really hard and difficult to talk about too. And so we need to go to the tough sections of the Bible to see how God worked through those sections and steered everything for good. And we're going to apply that to you in your life. We're going to take those sections of the Bible that are maybe a little bit hard to figure out. What does this mean he'd be called a Nazarene? And we're going to talk through those and we're going to let the Holy Spirit do the miraculous work that only the Holy Spirit can do to convince you God honors his word and fulfills it. And he's proved that time and again in Jesus Christ so that you trust the word and that you follow the word every day of your life going forward, regardless of the circumstances. And so I'll submit to you, we want your children here. We want babies here at the baptismal font and we want them in church. We want the whole family here in the house of God. We don't want to have children's church where, okay, let's just have children go down and we'll put them in a little babysitting room where they'll just have fun. We want them in church around the word. We want them to grow up with the word. We want the family around the word. We want grandparents around the word. We want you to see all of these things every day of the new year and going forward. So that without a doubt, you know who you are in the kingdom of God for Christ's sake. So that you trust God. So that you follow his word. And best of all, that you receive exactly what God has promised. That you receive his reward. God is going to come and rescue his people again. Because that's what he's told you in Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in now. Almighty Lord, we thank you for hearing the prayers of your people and rescuing the grandmother of Renee Mueller. Evelyn stayed several nights ago. From this world, you took to your eternal home. 
We thank you for your love and life for her and for the grace of God that was poured out on her so generously that she trusted you, even in difficult days, and followed your word until her dying day. As we enter the new year with all of its unknowns, may we grow to know you daily. May we live to despise sin in all of its forms. And may we hold firm to your promises of forgiveness, which will never fail in Jesus Christ. And we also join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
please stand. Almighty God, grant to your church the Holy Spirit and the wisdom that comes from above. Let nothing hinder your word from being freely proclaimed to the joy and edifying of Christ's holy people, so that we may serve you in steadfast faith and confess your name as long as we live. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. One announcement, I believe, if I remember my email correctly from Todd Martin, the voters meeting for this month was, has been shifted. It was originally the last Sunday in the month. We're shifting it to the third. I believe that's the 22nd, if somebody wants to double check me on that. But it's the, the third Sunday in January we're going to have our voters meeting for this month. Also at the end of the bulletin is an announcement about the 3K teacher meeting. If you want to check that out too, that's coming up a little bit. Um, school starts this Wednesday. And uh, enjoy the rest of vacation or Christmas break. And those are all the announcements I have. Maybe I should just check with you. Anything for you from today or the week ahead? I'm sure poinsettias can be taken. Please greet one another. <clears throat> I think my voice is fading, so I'm going to sign off. God's blessings to all of you. <laughs>